everybody. Welcome back to Redeem Church's Midweek Podcast. Kurt and I are here again today with this fifth episode. We have the blessing and honor of speaking with Dr. Marty Schaefer. He is part of the teaching staff at Redeem Church, and he recently posted a video, uh, a video sermon, yeah, called Amen Believing. It is a phenomenal sermon. I think it's worth a couple of listens. If you don't know, Kurt is his son-in-law. And so Kurt is actually going to give him the formal introduction. Yes, this is a great interview. You will be pumped after listening to it. So for those that don't know Dr. Marty, he is a, a Washingtonian who grew up in Texas. He grew up in Washington and Bellingham, and then he grew up in Houston, Texas as well. He went to Western Washington University for undergrad and then got a call for becoming a minister right after college and went to Golden Gate Baptist Seminary where he got his doctorate. We are so lucky to just have his wisdom and to uh, have him break down the scriptures for us. He lives here in Lakewood, uh, right next door to me, actually. As Liz said, he's my father-in-law. He has three beautiful daughters. The oldest one is my wife, Meg. So not only does he serve on the teaching team, but he also is the president of the school board here and also has dedicated his life to education. So let's get right into it. Again, we're talking believing, what it means to go deep in our own personal beliefs, and then also journey along with people as they come to the knowledge and understanding that Jesus loves them. So we are so excited about this conversation, and let's jump right in. All right, and we just want to welcome Marty to this conversation. We're really excited to talk to him based off his last sermon. We just wanted to spend this time to have him just go deeper into the word that he was giving on uh, Sunday and any insights he has for the Redeemed community. So welcome to the Redeemed Midweek Podcast, Marty. Yeah, well, thank you so much. I can't even tell you this is like a preacher's dream come true to get to hit it a second round and then have more time. So this is awesome. Thanks. Well, awesome. So the first question we have for you is, tell us a little bit about your story and how you came to faith. Well, my story is that I grew up in a family that was very unchurched. And so I'm appreciative of that because growing up, I had no idea of what the right uh, protocol and behavior was for Christians or churchgoers. And so I'm kind of grateful in one sense that I had to learn that as I've just kind of leaned into the Lord. I didn't have a model. I didn't have it, any expectations put on me. I didn't even, didn't even know what you would or wouldn't do in a church setting. So in a sense, I'm kind of grateful for that. Um, I have a wonderful uh, opportunity to have a family worth seven kids. I have three brothers and three sisters. And each one of those individuals has had a, a significant impact on my life. And then my mother was literally amazing. Uh, there was one mom, three different dads, long story, but uh, I've had the privilege of having a strong, tough, tender, loving mother. And then even with the uh, dads, I had my real father who passed away when I was 14, extremely strong, good man. And then my stepfather was remarkable, uh, young, younger, but so vital and, and um, Texas tough as well and played a very significant part in my understanding. We're really what it means to be a man. I just got to see it. So those things were modeled, but Christianity wasn't. 
and kind of my story is that when I was a little kid at eight years old, I, I entered into what I call phase one. And phase one was coming to a point of actually hearing about Jesus and deciding that I believed it. So the little eight-year-old kid, this man says, hey, kid, come over here and uh, cross the street. I'm eight. He gets down on his knee and he says, do you believe there's a God who loves you? And I actually thought about for nobody had ever asked me that question before. I've never had a context for it. And I paused and I actually realized I did believe that. And then he said, do you believe that if he loves you, that he'd forgive you for anything you did wrong? And that just made sense to me. I said, yeah, yeah that makes sense. And then he touched me in the chest and he said, uh, did, did you know that he wants to live right here in your heart? And he will if you ask him. So this little goofball kid, I believed it and I asked him. And that was my the beginning of my pilgrimage to coming to really know the Lord. But I didn't tell anything uh, to my family about it just because they were more anti-church uh, and Christianity. So it, I knew that wouldn't be a, a good conversation. So I just avoided it. Then later on, I entered what I call phase two. And that's when my father died. And that's uh, one of those moments where I wept bitterly for about three nights in a row hmm. at the inexplainable loss of being 14, right? When you're entering into manhood and I, the man in your life isn't there. So it's just devastating for me. But again, as remarkable as it sounds, and I, just, I don't want to overstate it nor understate it, but the Lord spoke to me uh, as I was sleeping um, and just said, why are you crying? Or was I struggling in my sleep? And I had a conversation with him before I even knew it. I was in a conversation with him. And the long and short of that is that he said, would you allow me uh, to be your father? And do you trust me with the eternal destiny of your own human father? And so I, I kind of I said yes to those things. And that moved to that. Uh, phase two, which is not just believing, but now leaning. Now I actually had to trust that God is who he said he was, that my the eternal destiny of my father was going to be good. Then I went to what I call phase three. When I was 18, I got out of the house, went to college, and uh, first kid out of our family to go to college. A lot of expectations. It was exciting, and I called this uh, the learning to lead stage. So now I'm out on my own, hmm. And I think I really do want to find out what this Christianity is really all about. So I went to Bible study at the college and man, I, I just dove in. It was so good for me. I'm a, I'm an information fat person. And so I just started getting all this amazing truth that just resonated with my inner man. So that was the learning to lead stage. And the fourth stage is what I think I'm in now. And that's uh, leading to develop others to lead. Hmm. And this is, this is my favorite place because I don't need to lead anymore. I mean, now what I need to feel good is to see Kurt, my son-in-law, up his game and press into the Lord. What I need is to see my family moving forward, the people around me that are kingdom advancers. And so I, this has been my favorite stage. I feel like the truth of it is I'm kind of in my fourth quarter. It's like, dang, I only probably got about 20 more years of this. So <laughs> I just really want to get it right. We were going to ask you about your interest and love for theology, and I think you just sort of explained why, you know, your your love for it. But I guess, okay, so I'm super interested in what you're going to say about this, because I know what it is for me. Like, I'm going to school right now at Liberty University because I did, there's a shift, like a phase for me too, where I have this craving to learn more. So tell us some of the things about theology that you really love. Like, how has it... Um, allowed you to become really fruitful in this third phase, as you call it? Yeah, so season one, phase one, I actually believed in it, and this goofy little eight-year-old kid 
said, God, please come live in me. And when the man touched me, all I can tell you was beyond any theology I ever would have imagined. I felt the reality of God taking up his home in my heart. So that I didn't even know how to explain it, but I knew that I knew right then. I just didn't know what I, what had really happened. I didn't have a context for it. Nobody had ever said, you need to get baptized. You need to do all these things. You need to ask the Holy Spirit to come into your life and receive them. None of that, but he did. Mm -hmm. And so that, that was a deep reality for me. And then when my father died and I'm 14 and I have no context, nobody had ever talked to me in my life about what happens to people after they die. Zero. So I'm weeping because I don't understand. And God himself says, why are you crying? And so he moved me into a conversation with him. Yeah. Remarkable. And to me, Liz, theology is all about having a conversation with the most high God eternal life john 17 3 is this that you would know the father in jesus christ and whom he has sent so knowing god it's a relationship mm-hmm. and for us to have any kind of a theology that moves away from the truth of god wanting to have a relationship with us will cause us to really go the long way because you're not learning directly from him and you and i mean you can read all your books you can do all that uh, that would give you great information. You can watch all the tapes and get all inspired that you want. But I literally felt God imparted his life to me hmm. and invited me to ha- ask him questions. So I love that. And I've been asking questions of him. Sometimes I'm sure they're really dumb, but I love to ask him. And then I like to uh, listen. I'm, a, I'm great at listening to him. Very hmm. dedicated at it every morning. Uh, Kurt can tell you if you get up early at 4.45, I'm sitting in my little corner over there and I've got a Bible. I've got quiet time. I'm leaning in so that I can hear from him. So that's my theology that he wants to tell me stuff. I want to ask him stuff. And I believe that he's good, like a good father, and that he's not going to just cause me to have to go figure it out on my own. Mm -hmm. And I also believe that society is wrong, Um, that I was given every benefit of education. I was given every benefit of being around very bright individuals and those who tolerate everything and believe everything are moving in a direction that's cyclical and it makes no sense to me. Yeah. You mentioned that the omnia. Yeah. The omnipresent uh, God isn't an omnist. (laughs) He doesn't believe in everything and (laughs) he's, he's everywhere, but he is himself. And so that's, that was really significant to me. I've never believed in, you know, just tolerate everybody, tolerate everything um, in my own life. That what, that's not true. Just as it wasn't true to me that there is no answer. I know there is an answer. And so those, you know, society has that good theology deals with it. Hmm. That's great. It's so good. So one of the things I know that you've devoted your life to is helping people believe and nothing jazzes you more than walking along that journey with someone to new belief, but in particular, young people. And I know that's where your heart is. So in, in today's culture, what do you think are some of the, uh, the most challenging aspects of getting people to believe? Or what are some of the most challenges for someone to believe? Yeah, I think that, again, we see people who've kind of bought into the um, everybody has a right to their opinion. Everybody's opinion's equal. 
And therefore, what you say doesn't carry as much weight or any more weight than what anyone else says. And so that is hard to break through that because there is a right and there is a wrong. And there is a positive uh, opportunity that you can put into motion and there's a negative consequence that you can put into motion. So it's significant to recognize that it, what I, I just call it reality. You've got to deal with the decisions that you make are going to go somewhere and there's right, wrong, there's uh, good and better. And I want to make sure that I'm encouraging people to live up to the best life that they can have. And so if there is the best life, then my theology says there's better than what you're currently functioning as. And those who also have that viewpoint, I just ask them this question. I would say, well, if, if you were just looking at all the information in all the world of all the time, how much of it do you think you've obtained? Because, you know, that's a fair question. I mean, it's, it's an amazing person that will seek to grow in information. And all the information that's available to us, how much of it do you even think is accurate and right and meaningful and purposeful? And so if, if 80% is, let's say that and that's a high number, how much of the 80% do you really own? Do you really know? There's so much more to get to know. So be open to that. Don't be closed that you think that what you're currently doing is the ultimate because it very well may, you know, might not be. So just having those kinds of conversations, if somebody's open, then I really want to be there to learn with them. I am not going to be in the uh, Christianity de debate club because I've been in that one and uh, was asked to leave for right reasons. You know, debating people's not fun for anyone. Um, but having a meaningful conversation by which I'm growing as well, that's you know what I would call uh, very enjoyable. So that's what I'm looking for. So Dr. Schaefer, in your sermon, you talked about the significance of belief. I felt like at the beginning of your sermon, this one that you just posted for us all to, to listen to, you, you were going in and talking about the, the word belief belief, which is uh, pisteo, pisteus, right? Okay. Yes, very good. Yeah. And so John, he used the verb tense of this word and not the noun. Yes. Do you think, why do you think that he did that? And I think that really does speak to our culture. So this is, this is a great segue from the last question in terms of how do we really reach this culture? We've been so passive. Everything just seems like it's an option. And here, John is looking at this is his, this is life and death. This is real to him. And this is, this is an area where it's time to be active. And so, you know, he's literally going to be straightforward about it's time to seek God, verb. Jesus says, you know, if you just think about it, go to all the world. Jesus is going to say, I want to abide in you, those who remain in me. Almost all of what Jesus is really teaching is in that active verb. And sometimes what we do is we talk about him as if he's not here. And so that puts him like almost, you know, in the third person or uh, out of the picture when in reality, I am, you know, the truth. I am the life. I am. And so it's much more significant to see it in that active uh, voice. And John just got that. Remember, John was the oldest. He lived the longest. He probably went through more trials than anyone else. And this was just his heart. It's, it's just time to do this stuff. Mm -hmm. And so he, he was committed to the doing, the active versus it being subjective. Yeah. And I think, I think that the impact 
if if I'm seeing if I'm seeing people accurately today, I think they're getting kind of bored of all the options that go nowhere. And so this is a very specific believe, then this is what you need to believe and you need to own it. And by the way, when you own it, that means living it, it becomes a very part of your life. I love the amen from the dog too. That was so cool because amen's part of these words. That's great, dad. Going off this and continuing this, this conversation, one thing that, that you talked about was affirmation and how all of us are seeking affirmation and you challenged everyone to seek affirmation from that which is true. So one of my questions is how does affirmation play into being honest with others and developing faith? Yeah, I think that the part of affirmation is something that we have looked at almost in terms of a weakness. So if you say, I want to be affirmed, that means that you're weak. If you say, I want to believe in this and I'm trying to wrestle with it to actually uh, go forward and believe in it, we're looking at that as if you're a skeptic. When you're leaning into something to believe it, that that is an amazing effort. That's an effort in the right thing. When you want to be affirmed, there's no shame in that. I mean, I, I love the fact that God himself, when he made Adam and Eve, put him in a garden and said, choose me. Can you choose me? So our choice is the most sacred thing that we can ever bring to God. Everything else God brings to the table. The only thing, and I'm getting jazzed, the only thing that we get to bring to the table is our ability to choose him. So what does that tell you about God? Is he so weak and little that he needs to be affirmed? No, he sees life in affirmation. He doesn't want to be rejected. None of us want to be rejected, right? And that's from him. There's so much life that comes of being affirmed. And the way that we get to affirm God is actually say, we choose you. And so the Lord Jesus goes and gets baptized, heaven opens up and God himself says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Affirmation. It just moves us from a, a place of feeling isolated or not belonging or wondering to a place of truly being loved. And man, that's what he's all about. I just go back to my mama. I shared this story about lying and friends. That's just, that's what happened that day. My mom could have gotten back in that car and said, I've told you not to touch my lighter. What were you thinking? She could have been like that. As soon as I said, I don't know. And you know, she could have said, you're a liar. Lying's, here's the seven reasons why lying will send you straight to the penitentiary. I mean, she could have done all that, but instead she literally just looked at me in those beautiful brown sad eyes and said, I need to know that you're going to be safe and that I can trust you. Wham, a whole different approach. It was so affirming that I now knew that one day I could make choices that would be safe and in the best interest of myself and others. I now knew that my mom could trust me. That's the power of what affirmation can really do. And the Lord's just looking at us and saying, hey, here I am. Can you choose me? And then he goes like this. Let me show you one more time. Here I am on the cross. Can you still choose me? Here I am with scars in my hand, my side. Can you go if I send you? And you know what the answer for me is that's yes, Lord. I affirm everything you've said, everything you do. And I love getting to be a part of your life. Hmm, so good. I'm so excited to share my word at the end of this. You have like literally touched on so many things that God led me to that I just like can barely contain myself. But moving on. <laughs> Rats, uh, go now. Yeah, ah, I want to go. But moving on in your sermon, you bring up the story of Mary and Martha and um, how 
and Mary and Martha and Lazarus. I should, I should right. add him in there too, because there's lots of stories <laughs> with Mary and Martha. But the story of Lazarus and Martha especially is like, Lord, why didn't you come earlier? And, and he meets her on the road. And this is where he asks her, do you really believe? And the question um, that sort of came up in my mind is uh, sort of around the idea of maybe different levels of belief. So like yes. there's the unbeliever. I sort of call this just based on what you said in your sermon, maybe like a Martha type believer or a Martha level. And then there's the Mary level. Maybe you'll do a better job for listeners probably describing the difference between Mary and Martha, but could you also maybe talk perhaps about the different levels of belief? I think that, I think that what you're saying is right. I think Martha was being very rational, right? She went out and she's going through the sequence of events and that was a part of her personality type. We, we never want to uh, trash talk Martha. I mean, if the details no. aren't in place, life's not so good. And so she was very detail oriented. She's coming, she's talking out of what we might call our left brain. She'd been very linear and she's asking the right question. She's, she's not, she's not condemning Jesus. She's inquiring of him. And Jesus is so gracious to respond to it. But his response is, you know, you're asking all the right questions, Martha. I get it. But here's what it really comes down to is, can you trust me on this one? Have I been with you long enough? Have I loved you well enough that you can trust me on these things that you can't even see and believe yet? And she's, well, yeah, I, I do trust that my brother's going to be raised from the dead, you know, whenever other people will be. And he's going, no, let's, let's go a little bit harder than that one. Do you actually believe that even though I'm in your eyes late that I'm right on time in such a way that's going to work out in everybody's best interest. And she actually buys into it. How cool is that? And then she goes and gets Mary, who's probably emotionally distraught, right? She doesn't even go with him in the first place because Mary's more maybe on that side. She's more introspective. We know that she's at his feet. She's weeping over, you know, his feet anointing. That's the kind of amazing human she is. And uh, I really do appreciate that Martha, now that she gets it, so her, her level of belief goes from, I don't get it, to got it. Mm. And watch it when she happens, when she gets it, she's running right to Mary, hey, you need to go talk to Jesus. This makes more sense than what we thought. Something good's about to happen. And sure enough, you know, what a cool story, unless you're Lazarus and you're, you know, <laughs> you're trying to take your little dirt nap and you get woken up. <laughs> Poor guy. He's from heaven back to earth. It's probably like, what? So how do we move from going deeper in our beliefs in Jesus to actualizing what we believe and really trusting in Jesus? And this is the crux of it. And I'm, I'm not sure, you know, the, when you do a sermon, you're doing everything you can to articulate things in a timely fashion. It was so hard for me um, to be clear on this but I've never gone from one level to the other level of trust with anyone, not to mention in my walk of faith, without being vulnerable and trusting them. There, it, all the information, you know, I'm glad I look at it, but when it comes right down to it, trust is the most important thing that brings closeness. So remember, what Jesus is about is about being close to him. And if you lift me up, I'll draw all men to myself. And so he's, he's actually speaking to us and he's trying to pull us into a deeper and deeper relationship with him. That's his goal. So number one, I shouldn't expect to not go deeper. 
Whatever I did as an eight-year-old, I did as an eight-year-old. That was phase one. That's why I called it phase one. What I did when I was 14 and responded to the death of my father, I started to trust him more. And what's really cool, I go to college. The very first Bible verse somebody teaches me is Acts 16.31. Believe in the Lord and you shall be saved, you and your entire household. I'm sitting here right now doing a podcast thing <laughs> with my son-in-law who knows Jesus because I prayed as an 18-year-old mm. punk that my whole household would know the Lord and advance his kingdom. That's how amazing you can go from in your beliefs. So believe and watch it happen. So and now I'm at this place where, Lord, if we don't see people really moving out in their beliefs, then we're so far behind in our culture and our society that we're not going to have these cities and kingdoms of, of faith to present to you upon your return. So I'm, I think there is deeper levels that we're going and he's taking us there and he's finding joy in it. So please, listeners, uh, would you acknowledge that the Lord wants to engage us, that he, we're not little robots that he spins and then we run out of energy and he comes back and charges us back in or plugs us back in. We are people made in his image that belong to him that he wants to experience life with and he wants to affirm us and we get to affirm him. And when we do that, we get close. We get so close with him. Mm. And so it's, it's going to go on that way forever. And right now Amen. is the opportunity that we have to show to people that there is a God who really has made them and he is good, so good to the point that he would lay down his life to move us into right relationship with himself. So I'm, I'm just believing all that because I know it's to be true. I'm going deeper with him each day that I can and it's through listening and I'm, I'm thankful that he will speak to us and he tells us in his word. And this is where I first kind of, got stalled for several years is that I joined an amazing Southern Baptist church, Elkin Lakes Baptist Church, Huntsville, Texas. Yeah, shout out. These guys were amazing. It was one of the first churches I'd seen in the South at that point that actually had um, ethnic diversity somewhat in their church. So how, how ama that really blessed me to be able to see that in little Elkins Lake, Huntsville, Texas. Uh, there was leadership of, you know, more than one people group. So that was, that was very impressive to me. But this is what they did. They said, Marty, this is what we believe. And the pastor gave me a new American Standard Bible and said, this is what we believe. Go read it. Well, I'm a college kid, man. So I did. And I came to the conclusion that if you want to hear from God, you have to read his word. I still believe that reading his word is one of the greatest ways to hear from yeah. the Lord. It's, it's amazing. But what they didn't say is that there's a Holy Spirit who will live within you. And I loved what Pastor Dave said one day. He said, this is the only book where the author himself lives inside you and tells you what's really going on, why he wrote what he did and, you know, the inside rap. And so Holy Spirit really is there to speak to us. Now, if you believe the written word, you're going to come to the book of John and you're going to see that Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. I speak to them. They're no longer slaves. They're my friends. And so he's going to go on in many different ways and say the Holy Spirit's a comforter. We're going to hear that the Holy Spirit will guide you and lead you into all truth. Don't worry about what you're supposed to say on that day because the Holy Spirit will give you the words. Yes. So if we don't believe that, we're actually not reading it very well. And so I, I spend my time reading, but I also spend a lot of time listening. And what I like mm -hmm. to do when I read is as soon as I get the least bit confused, I like to stop and say, Lord, what in the Sam Hill does this mean? Hmm. You just help me understand because I don't get this. 
and then I can start hearing stuff. Um, okay. I've got so many questions. Oh my gosh. You're so wise. Um, I, I, I wanted to ask you this question back in the beginning when you said you had your quiet time in the morning and you're really good at listening for everybody who has um, a relationship with Christ that we've kind of probably each come to learn that we sort of have a, a, a different relationship. We hear him differently than other people do. I am so curious to know the process in the morning, um, how you listen and what happens for you in that time. Not that there's a formula that someone can take and go and do, but this is a way to get to know Jesus more in the way that he talks to you. Um, I'm just so curious about this listening part because the moment you hear God's voice, it changes everything. Everything. Agreed. So here's the written portion. When I came to the understanding that Revelations you know, 3.19 was actually written to Christians and to not non-Christians, and I really came to a place of seeing, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. When I first read that, when I was on the debate team for God, I thought, okay, I'm going to go to all unbelievers and say, God's knocking on your door. You better answer it because he wants to come in and save you. This is to believers. And he's saying it also in such a way as, do you not understand that I'm going to discipline those that I love? And so number one, I have to understand that discipline is growth. What he's saying is I want to grow you. I want to go deeper with you. I want to get into the very core of your being. Will you let me in there or are you going to keep me on the surface level outside? Right? Right. And so I actually, in reading that passage, I had a little epiphany that I actually believed that the Lord wanted to go deep with me. And I believe that to be true. Now, I've been married, uh oh, 36 years. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. I'm not sure. (laughs) Kurt, would you edit this and put the right years in? So I have the most amazing, wonderful wife. Uh, I want to say that my wife reminds me a lot of my mother. I know people that you're sometimes embarrassed to say, you know, you marry your mother, you marry your father type of a thing. My my mother was extremely strong woman and extremely tender. My wife has that same, she's very strong. She's also tender. My wife does not demand that I get close to her. She waits for me to get close to her. She invites me. If I'm watching the signal, she's inviting me to get close to her. And those are some of the most amazing times in my existence on planet earth is to go deep and close with my wife. For my mother, my mother would go sit on the front porch in the evenings in Texas when it would cool down a little bit. And if you were smart, you'd wait for that time, seven kids, you would go find her sitting on that porch and you'd just go sit next to her and get to chat with her and get to process some some life. So those beliefs are that the Lord wants to go deep. He's inviting me. It's intimate. He loves me. He's sitting on the porch where I listen. Well, in my human relationships, with my wife, what I used to do is because I'm, I'm very much an achieving type of a person, very active. By the end of the day, I would try to then to come and spend some quiet time with my wife. And what's the, the, the truth of it is, is that by that time, I'll, I'm already at 20% left anyway, right? I mean, I've already spent 80% of myself by the end, you know, by the end of the day, there's only 20% left to me and my mind has so much new stuff in it it's not very devoted to her it's mm-hmm. processing all the stuff from the day then also uh, when i do that there would almost 
consistently be damage control to do. So we get together, you have one kid, now we have three kids. Can I tell you at the end of the evening, all you really want to do is be polite to your kids before you put them to bed without pulling your hair out and making them go to bed. I mean, it is so... Yes, we get it, don't we, Kurt? <laughs> it is so hard. I mean, your energy, your love, everything's gone. So if that's true, what I ended up needing to do is to give my best time to my wife, not the mm. last time. Well, I just figured out with the Lord, you know, what was happening is I was trying to do Bible reading consistently disciplined at a break in the day. And, I, and many, many years ago, I just, I realized that wasn't going to work. It wasn't working for him. It wasn't working for me. So I just said, you're worth me getting up early for, and I'm going to get up before my wife. I'm getting up before anybody in my house. Mm. And I'm ushering in your presence to this crazy place that I'm living on. And so he has honored that. He's also led me to never overread because again, I'm an information guy. If you leave me on, I, I will binge read, I'll binge watch, whatever. And so he, he basically led me to read one chapter a day and to write down questions and insights in the margin of my Bible and then just pause and let him speak to me on those things. That's so I don't good. even allow myself to read more than one chapter and I have my pen and I, I say, this is what I think it means. This is what I don't get, or this is how it really blesses me and I want to learn more. And I kind of write those things down and let the Lord speak to me. So good. I love that advice. Pretty simple, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. Okay. Well, your sermon really got me because it, all, of, all of your sermons always make me think deeper about Jesus, which is so beautiful that you do that because you love him so much. You want us to know him more but also about my own faith. And I'll have to share the story that I was going to share another time about the first times I heard his voice, but I'll reiterate the moment you hear his voice, it does change everything. The moment you realize yes. that God knows who you are and where you are on this planet, that is a game changer. It takes you from religion to relationship. So for those of us who have grown up in Christian homes, we all have to make that choice for ourselves. For me, it was it was not about the religion any longer. It was about the relationship. Okay. So boom, life changed then. But I love this in your sermon, which by the way, you all need to go back and listen to. If you haven't gathered, that's what we're hoping you go and do is go back and listen to this powerful sermon that he, uh, Marty just did. But you talked about Jesus being the good shepherd and why Jesus put the word good in front of being just a shepherd. And so I was thinking about things and I felt like God, um, you'd already said this. I feel like I'm going to be reiterating some of this, but you said that kind of like the number one thing that God has asked us to do is to believe like that's just our work. We just believe. And so I was asking God about this and I, I said, okay, Lord, what do you know? What do you want me to share for this conversation? And he led me and I was hesitant because he led me to uh, John three sixteen. And as you all know, most of the world knows these verses they are very, um, well-known. It's for God to love the world, but he, he extended it. It's going into uh, six, verse 16 through 21. So I would love to read this here. It says, first, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. 
For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So God showed me this and he kind of broke it down. Okay, so to believe equals you get eternal life with Christ. The amazing part is that life actually starts here on earth, right? We get to be in relationship with him. We get to experience joy, peace, all of that. Okay. And so, yes. And so then it also, this verse talks about how Jesus had to come into the world. Jesus is the light because people loved the darkness. They, in fact, so much that they, uh, they, they hated being exposed. Exposure is sort of a word that God was highlighting for me. So then I was thinking about um, when you were talking about how people want to be affirmed and, um, and they want to, um, they want to be affirmed. Right. And so then God uh, kind of led me, he brought this first to my mind, Ephesians 2.10. And um, this is when, with, through Christ, he has given us good works to do. So there's that good word, right? So then I'm kind of putting this all together. So those who believe in Christ, we get these good works to do. We're affirmed by these good works, right? They're not, they're the opposite of bad works. Bad works don't want to be exposed. Good works don't mind being exposed. We get to, we don't have to lie about our life. We don't have to lie about what we're doing. We don't have to lie about what we feel or what we think because everything that God leads us to is good. And we have no problem walking around uh, in the truth, in the light. Just so that you even know in, in Greek on good, there's two words for good that can be used. One is uh, kalos, which is the one that's used here, which is uh, authentic and genuine. And mm-hmm. the other is good as in it brings a benefit. Isn't mm-hmm. it cool? Agathos isn't used. Kalos is, which is it's genuine. And so mm-hmm. when you see it, it's believable. It yes. Is. And you were talking about the significance of being believable. And when the significance is not being afraid to being exposed about, about your life, you can walk in this freedom. And I kept hearing God say in this conversation with him, it, let me turn the page. I have so many notes is that <laughs> he's like, I, he said, I kept hearing him saying, I am offering freedom. You have the freedom from the fear of being exposed. And then boom, my mind went straight to Adam and Eve. Before they sinned, they walked totally exposed. They, they were not covered. They had this relationship with Christ totally out in the open. And then once they sinned, then, they, then God made them skins to cover themselves. But I just felt like we, can, we get this gift. Of, first of all, we, we can believe in him. He is the light. He is the truth. When we believe in him, he's going to give us good works to do, which he's already prepared for us. And then when we do those works, we get affirmation. We get joy. We get peace. And we have zero freedom from exposing any of that to anyone. I just love this. And the joy comes in doing the good works. We're doing them collaboratively with Jesus. So we're doing it in him and with him. And so that's the affirmation in and of itself. We're actually doing something with the father. So I I have the privilege of having my grandsons live next door. Mm -hmm. I'll be fixing things. They come over every time they want to help. My job takes twice as long. It's just us. Um, Because, you know, now, I'm slowing down. I'm working with them and they're, I'm worried about they're going to touch a wire or something's going to go wrong. It is such a beautiful thing. I, mm-hmm. I just 
put life on pause. Whenever they want to come over and do something with me, oh my gosh, great. Takes twice as long. Let's do it. These little yeah. guys actually want to spend time with their pops. I'm all in. And so the Lord's given us these good works, not so that um, we can prove ourselves. He's given us these good works so that we can do them together and grow deeper mm. in that relationship with him and feel like yeah. we have something to bring to the table instead of just taking from the table. Yeah. And so it is very significant to understand that Jesus knew you in the verses that you read this, Jesus knew you can't fix the world by condemning it. Everybody, please hear me. Yeah. You can't change, fix anything through condemning it. But laying down your life and loving it is the, was what Liz said. It's a game changer. So when you, if you think you want to hear from the Lord, would you just do me the favor of saying, he's not angry at me and he doesn't want to smash me like a bug. He doesn't have time for me because I'm a loser or I've gone too bad. I've been in the darkness too long. Listen, we don't really even love the darkness. We've learned how to get comfortable with it because we don't believe there's anything better. Every sin is the sin of unbelief, Romans 14, 23. Lay mm. into that. It's true. And so the stupid things result in stupid things. Hmm. Is it possible that there's a good thing, a good yeah. God worth seeking? And he says that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And I'm just saying game on. Well, thank you, Marty, for coming. We are so pumped after that. We could go on for probably two more hours, but we're going to end it here. But that just means that we'll have you on again. Um, yeah. And this is such an important conversation. And we have spent the last couple of weeks talking about believing and not only just our belief, but also how we journey alongside with people to help them believe. And so we're going to keep this conversation going. Yeah. We'll have Dr. Marty on again. But will you share this with somebody who needs it today? Somebody who maybe uh, has people in their life that don't yet believe. And this will really help them to understand how to journey alongside people on that journey of belief and not just getting like Dr. Marty said into an argument, but rather really getting into genuine relationship and showing them a Jesus that they can trust. Mm. So that's it for this podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and we'll see you next week. Thank you, Dr. Schaefer. We'll see you guys. <laughs>